Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bisquid C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. So welcome to the first reflection episode of the new schedule of this podcast. Um, if you remember, we are switching from being a weekly to a bi-weekly podcast. And I talked about it in the bonus episode that I'll put in the show notes for you to have a listen to. Um, so you know why I made this change. But I'm very grateful that you are still rocking with Beast C. Let's get into today's topic my last podcast guest was my amazing friend, Bongi Mataure, who is this badass engineer and aspiring cook. Bongi has lived in the Netherlands now for nine years, and the core of our conversation was really about what does belonging look like as a black person in foreign countries, particularly in predominantly white countries. She made me reflect on my own experiences with this, particularly thinking about integration. Now, what is integration? Well, this is when, as a foreign person, to put simply, you are trying to find your place in your new environment. And as I thought more about this over the last few weeks and talked to some friends about it, I realized they are just a lot of nuances to consider when it comes to the experience of integration. Um, for instance, white experts who have very different experiences than uh, black experts as well. And um, yeah, that's what we are going to get into in this episode. So buckle up and let's go. So I asked my uh, last guest, Wongi, if after nine years in the Netherlands, she feels like she has integrated into the society. Her response was about finding a balance. Wongi has adopted a lot of things about, you know, Dutch culture, but also kept a lot of her original African sauce. She's a strong believer in authenticity and never letting anyone make you feel like you are not worthy or do not deserve the space that you are occupying. And um, she has literally built her life around these principles. She is right in so many ways. And I reflected on my own experiences about specifically um, how I fit into different parts of the world. So. My first move outside of my country of Zimbabwe was to America. America is often described as the melting pot sort of country where many cultures can just fuse. It is, after all, a land of immigrants. Now, that said, as an 18, 19-year-old, I remember visibly fighting what I called getting sucked into America. My first year there was really, really rough, especially when the infamous Chicago winter came. I'm talking like minus 30 degrees Celsius and like just mountains of snow. I was crying every day because I had never been so cold in my entire life. I also have this one singular memory um, that I cannot really put a timeline on, but it's a day when I realized I was starting to dream in English instead of my own language. I struggled with 
all of this for a while. And I only really changed my position um, on this when I went back home for the first time and experienced what is called reverse culture shock. See, when you start up in new places, you get what they call culture shock, right? When you learn your new environment and everything. And then when you go back to where you came from uh, the first time, that's what is called reverse culture shock. So on my first return back home, I was so eager to like be there, to see my old friends and to be with my family. But it did not go as smooth as I thought. It basically seemed like everyone had moved on without me. For instance, people canceled plans with me, right? Um, you know, because in Africa, we're just like easygoing like that. And I would get upset about that, actually. And their response would be like, oh, she has just become too American for us. <laughs> I remember spending my first month home miserable and I found myself wishing to go home. And I realized like for the first time in my life, home in my head was starting to become Chicago. This realization made me turn my mindset around and I stopped trying so hard to, you know, be my old self and be with my old friends. I actually spent the rest of that summer um, making new friends. Um, I also made, they were all expert friends actually. And I started enjoying myself and I was like, hey, um, I have a new identity. It's a fusion of cultures. I am going to embrace it. So fast forward to now. I am on my fourth country, the Netherlands, and a lot of things are different in this particular situation. Well, first off, I have more experience to start with, and I am an adult with fully formed values. Additionally, I am for the first time settling in a non-English speaking country. This puts uh, a lot more pressure on finding your place if you cannot even communicate with the people around you. In the backdrop of all of, uh, of these things that are different about my current situation, let's talk about my experiences finding my place here so far. So I showed up in the Netherlands as a highly skilled migrant working for one of the biggest companies in the country. And it makes my access to different spaces and general comfort um, very much different than most others who may have a combination of um, my identity. For instance, people respect that I work at the company that I am at. And most of the time, it's so interesting in conversations. Um, after I mention it, you can tell that there is a difference in how they, they treat me. I also have less pressure to, for instance, learn the language because, well, I don't really need it. I work for an international company and we operate in English mostly. So I'm just like, I will learn Dutch when I learn Dutch. I mean, I only want to learn it so much when I get my government documents and I'm trying to understand what's going on in my life and I'm like, you know, translating the hell out of them. There is a marked difference in the pressure to integrate depending on the intersection of identities of the immigrant in question. And when I say identities, I'm talking about race, nationality, religion, social status, and class, amongst other things. 
I already gave you the example of me, a black immigrant, coming via America. So people kind of view me differently for that reason. And well, I occupy a higher social status uh, because of my job. So you already know what kind of experience I have. And it's going to be very different from, for instance, a black African who is here as a refugee. Uh, so that's what I mean by they will be uh, different experiences depending on the intersection of identities. Now, I have found that generally you can draw a line, right, between white immigrants and then black and brown immigrants. And I want to get into why that is and what the differences are going to be in a bit. But before I get into it, I just want you to know that what I'm about to talk about or to share is broad generalizations based on my observations and trends. So I'm sure someone listening is going to say, I'm this, but that's not my experience. Um, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but hear me out first. So draw the line white immigrants on one one side black and brown immigrants on one side then throw in all these identities that i just talked about right throw in race nationality religion social status and class amongst other things now there is the very interesting case of eastern europeans that i have gotten to know uh, who are white but with respect to the white Europeans here, they are considered some sort of lower social status in a sense. And I know this from being very close friends with, um, you know, from my closest white friends actually in this country are from like Macedonia and Romania. And we make jokes, right, about how we get each other in so many ways. We understand um, dysfunctional governments, dictators, corruption, um, amongst other things. And when my one Romanian friend sent me a picture of her at home, it was like, oh, you could might as well have been in Africa as, as well. So their social circumstances make them different and they are looked at differently um, by the people here. And then the other group I want to give a shout out to is my fellow Americans. <laughs> okay, well, remember America is my other identity. Well, Americans are going to be a, a very special group because they are notorious for not integrating well into, you know, other people's countries and demanding that folks adjust to, to them in a way. You probably have heard this time and again, um, you know, how Americans are just poor travelers <laughs> in that sense. But in any case, though, um, my point is really, I hope you see what I mean when I say there will be a diversity of experiences based on the many, you know, layers of identity or the intersection of identities that any immigrant that you are thinking about has. Now, I will say in general, there are two sides to this coin uh, of integration experiences. One side is more personal, where people like me, black and brown immigrants from poor circumstances, feel more pressure to integrate because coming here is an upgrade to our lives. This is very different, for instance, than my French friends who are like, uh, if this doesn't work out, I would just go back. You know, I am like over here, like Netherlands or bust, baby. We, we got to we got to make this work. So um, 
that makes the uh, personal part of my integration experience different in that sense. The other side of the coin is just prejudice on the part of the local people here. They will have different expectations to integrate based on um, the identities that I talked about before. And I even remember this in America that my white immigrant friends had such different experiences than I did. And remember the time when Trump was trying to ban black and brown immigrants, but letting those from white majority countries in? Yeah, that's that's kind of the frame that you should think about this in. White immigrants from privileged backgrounds. Um, and again, I want to note this is important to remember because of the case of Eastern Europeans. White immigrants from privileged backgrounds will have less expectation for them to integrate in fact, their foreignness is even treated as endearing as opposed to my foreignness. A similar phenomenon is something someone raised as a comment on my Instagram um, about, you know, last week's episode. And I've observed this, especially in Africa. When white people move to other countries, they do not have pressure to integrate at all. Their foreignness is again treated as endearing. And of course, there's plenty, plenty of white savior complex to go around. So there you have it. Different layers of the integration narrative that you should think about when you are just considering um, the people in front of you who are foreign. Back to the context of the Netherlands and integrating here, another part of this experience has been how hard it is to make Dutch friends. Almost any expert can relate to this experience. Like you can be friendly with people here, um, even co-workers, uh, but it takes a lot more for them to take you to their confidence and have deep meaningful relationship. This was especially a shock for someone like me coming from a culture where you will get where we give the last morsel of bread to a stranger because that is just how warm we are. Now, when I talk about this uh, to some of my Dutch friends or colleagues, they like act genuinely surprised and do a double take. And their most common and favorite response is, but we are so tolerant. Okay, let's clear this myth up once and for all. A lot of Dutch people wear tolerance like a badge of honor. And most of all, they misconstrue it for openness, which it absolutely isn't. In fact, if we are to right now, actually, let's define tolerance. Um, to tolerate is to allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one dislikes or disagrees with without interference. Now, let me repeat that for the people in the back. To tolerate is to allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one dislikes or disagrees with without interference. So when you say you tolerate me, you're actually saying you can barely stand my presence, but you will let me be though. Big difference, big difference from being open um, and actually a culture that is embraces other people from um, other parts of the world. 
Look, despite all of these challenges and nuances that I'm navigating that I've talked about, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing okay. And I have some personal tips that I have gathered um, in my journey of living in different countries that I want to share with you um, about how to approach um, the question of integration. Like Bongi, I believe in finding a balance and here are those three tips that have helped me figure out myself in different parts of the world. First off, accept that you will change. There is no way you're not going to get influenced by a culture that you have become a part of and be okay with that. I think I spent way too much energy on this before, um, like resisting becoming American in a sense. And I put that in quotes, becoming American in a sense. Um, and it was just senseless. In fact, I now think it is a beautiful thing that I am a fusion of, of cultures and my values are, you know, from connecting in different ways, uh, in different parts of, of the world. So be okay with change. It's going to come anyway. Embrace it um, and keep it moving. Secondly, you should actively find spaces and communities that help you to hold on to your original self, that help you to keep you grounded. I belong to great communities of Black diasporans, and time and again, I hang out with my American friends too. I have a favorite Ethiopian restaurant in um, in the city and in other cities that I go to in the Netherlands, and I'm making Zimbabwean food all the time. Also, just give me a good Afro-Caribbean party. I am there getting it on the streets, Okay. These spaces are so important to me and I enjoy them so much because they give me a sense of grounding and I go there to remind myself who I am. The last tip is understand that integration as layered or maybe laced with prejudice as it can be as the concept, it is not necessarily a bad thing. I take it from a positive perspective and it does help you get around and opens up your world more. I am very limited right now in who I can connect with um, as friends or dating, you know. And I spend so much time translating government documents from Dutch to English so I can just like figure out my life here. So uh, it's part of the reason I do want to learn Dutch so I can just be a functional person in this country as uh, as well. So um, take integration, you know, uh, take it from a positive light. Uh, be open to the change that is inevitably going to come when you uh, become a fusion of cultures and really seek out spaces um, and communities that keep you grounded in who you are originally. Those are all my thoughts on the topic of integration. Thank you for listening. That's it for me this week. Thanks to uh, my wonderful guest, Wongi, for inspiring this reflection that I shared with you today. I would love, love to hear your thoughts on uh, this topic 
of integration? What are your experiences with it? Are you a black immigrant in a predominantly white country? And by the way, I am well aware that I interchange the words immigrant and expat quite a bit. We will discuss that in a later episode. But in the meantime, do come and tell me your stories on the Biscuit C Instagram and on LinkedIn. If you like what you heard, go ahead and give this podcast five stars wherever you're listening to it from or give us a quick review and share it with your network. Lastly, you can also make a small donation to help keep this podcast going. Buy me a coffee with the link in the show notes. I already have the June guest lined up. I cannot wait for y'all to hear yet another story of a black badass corporate woman. So stay tuned. Until then, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered, and stay tuned.